Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. I am so excited to share this interview I had with Ben Cat about his new book, The Way Home, Discovering the Hero's Journey to Wholeness at Midlife. So a little bit about Ben is he is a meditation teacher, a spiritual coach, and author. Ben is an expert at adopting ancient personal development practices for modern contexts to help people wake up to their fullest life. He is a certified advanced meditation teacher and holds a master's of divinity degree and was ordained as a minister for over a decade. Ben used to lead the On Beings project, which worked on supporting religious and spiritual leaders in their work towards social healing. He currently lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with his family. You can learn more about Ben and get a link to his book and his website in the show notes. Ben and I know each other from our lives in Seattle, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with him to get a little woo-woo and also stay in the practical. We explore concepts around what does it mean to come home to yourself and find your heart. We talk about... How do you balance, you know, not going too woo-woo, yet paying attention, paying attention to the signs and signals that the universe is telling us without starting to just make shit up in our lives, as well as how do we start to pay attention to when we start to feel out of alignment with self, when we lost ourselves? So there's so much wisdom in today's conversation. So let's settle in and let's get centered. Ben, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Wade, thank you so much. So good to be with you. This is so fun. And before I hit record, we talked about our last time connecting in Seattle and how I was at the collective and how we're in the space of offering these still still life experiences. And now we're here being able to talk about your book. Congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. You know, that that feels like yesterday in one sense that I was doing those events and that we we crossed paths and also I'm like how is that like four years ago it's wild I know time time during those last few years has been an alternate universe Hmm. I'd love to hear for myself and for listeners like what inspired you to write this book because you shared on social media and you shared with me before also hitting record it just kind of came out of you and so I'm really curious like what drew your attention to wanting to capture this process? Yeah, so I had emerged when I moved, to, uh, left Seattle in 2020, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin with my family, where I'm originally from. And um, I had just emerged from like a five, six year, like soul journey. And I really feel like I was, I had sort of re-entered, like I had gone and discovered something. What I had discovered, well, about five, six you know, years before that, I, I really lost my heart, as I put it in the book. Um, I had an experience of realizing I was burned out. And as I started peeling back the layers, it was this very, uh, you know, I learned there was just a ton of inner work I needed to go on, a bunch of things I needed to confront, my own um, achievement orientation and perfectionism and the ways I would perform to please others, like all these things that were keeping me far from my true self. So uh, when I had emerged from that season, I, I really looked back and I felt like there's was, there was a lot to sift through and really most important. So on one level, I just wanted to 
do that for myself. But the more and more I got into it, I thought, well, at least this will be for my kids so they can hear some of this story and I can, through this, like encourage them to live their fullest lives. But I just had this, you know, this stronger sense that there's so many people out there who have been through what I've gone through, which is this sense of feeling far from yourself or outgrowing the life you've lived. And we're looking for like a map to help us figure out how to go on this journey towards wholeness. And when you began writing, were you writing from this lens of I'm going to be creating this into a book or was this just a more creative download that and, and kind of self-processing orientation? Yeah. So actually, um, I love that question because I sort of left this out in that initial pass with, with what I was telling you, but uh, it actually began as a one-man show. Okay. So I had, when I was still living in Seattle, I got out of this, um, at the end of this soul journey, one of the last things I did, it was a two-week wilderness quest experience. And I was out, the pinnacle of it was like, I was in this canyon in the wilderness by myself, fasting. Um, and it was really the capstone, almost like a capstone course for all that I had been through. And I got back from that. One of the things the guides from those trips challenged us to do is they said, um, you know, come up with a project, a project. It could be something short term. It could or it could be life size. But the project is a way of expressing what you discovered on the journey. It's a way of integrating into your daily life um, where you've been and who you've become. So I had this crazy idea, but clear was like, I'm going to do a one man show. So for my 39th birthday, I rented out a small theater in, it's no longer there, I don't think, but in Greenwood in Seattle, invited a bunch of friends and uh, it was called Mr. Mystical. So um, Mr. Mystical was a part stand up, part performance art, part like sermon. I'm a former pastor, so sort of have that background, but um, it was like an hour long show and multimedia and things like that. But it was for one night only. Anyways, six months later, when I moved, um, the stories kind of kept like trying to get my attention. And so I was like, okay, there's there's more to work with here. Started looking back more through some of my old journals, had been researching and studying some other things. And so all of this kind of, I wove this together. And yeah, it started, you know, I would say pretty, pretty early on became clear, like, oh, this is a, this is a book. It's not just an article. It's, there's a book here. It's amazing. And, you know, take such as somebody who wants to be creating a book and who is in the process of my own creative writing space. Like it's just, it's a lot of hard work to get it all mm. down and thread through. So just a really big congratulations for sharing your story and just being here right where you are on your journey. And I can't wait for our listeners to get hands on their own copies and for this to be shared with the world. And for those listening, the book is The Way Home, Discovering the Hero's Journey to Wholeness at Midlife. Curious about the title and your relationship to this word, The Way Home. Because hmm. you mentioned also you felt like you lost your heart. So are those synonymous or like talk to me about even what home and heart mean to you? Yeah, I, I like... Um... I like synonyms. I like using phrases. I think just giving people different ways to grab onto an idea or to relate to it. So yeah, absolutely. There's like a bunch of things that are parallel in this book. Like one would be the way home. Uh, it's it's this journey back to yourself. It is the journey of recovering your heart. 
Um, Joseph Campbell, who is a famous 20th century mythologist who, like I allude to his work in the book and it's in the title, this idea of the hero's journey. I reframe the hero's journey um, as this journey towards wholeness. Um, so yeah, what what am I getting at with, with all of that terminology? Um, there's one sense that it's actually something kind of elusive. Like I will say that. And I think that's why I'm like, we're, we're trying to use different language to point to something that um, we might not always be able to articulate, but it's something we can feel. It's a lived, experienced reality. And I can say for sure that um, there was one point early on where I became very aware that I was like not living in alignment with myself. And I needed to set out on a journey to figure out actually, well, like, who am I really? Why am I here? And so the crazy thing about that too is when you set out on that journey or when you go do that work, you're leaving something behind and you have a sense, you know, especially you, you which kind of grows over time of what am I leaving behind? But you're not quite sure what you're heading towards yet. There's a lot of, and that's why this is, I like the word discovering in the title too. It's, it's a process of discovery. Um, and then even when you arrive back at home, this that sense of at-homeness in yourself, the way you relate to yourself, the way you feel in your body, the, the type of um, the sense of purpose you have, the truth is also that the journey kind of keeps going. Like there's always an invitation to um, to grow more, to discover new aspects of who you are, to shed certain things that maybe once were really empowering and helpful for you, but have become limiting factors. There's a lot more I could say about all that, but I think I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. And you share a little bit about this in, as far as I've read, I'm like a third of the way there. So maybe you should share even more, but you share a little bit about, you know, the signs and symptoms that you start to notice when you have lost yourself. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about that for listeners. Like how can people pay attention to when they start to feel out of alignment of self? Mm. I've personally been on my own journey of realizing like, oh, I have abandoned myself in certain ways the last few years. And that's been my own process of kind of coming back. So I'm curious, what were some of your signs mm. that kind of were saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not here well, right now? Well, so, you know, the... <laughs> I'll start with kind of the the like spiritual experience, like the wake up call. So one morning I was, um, as I often did, I was running and it was, uh, I ran around Green Lake in Seattle, right? Small lake. And I was charging up this hill. I got to the top of the hill. Usually I just turn the corner, run about 10 more blocks to get home. Um, this particular day I got to the top of the hill and just, I stopped. And it's the, these words welled up within me. And the words were, if you don't have your heart, you have nothing. If you don't have your heart, you have nothing. Um, and I will say, and, and I talk about this in the book, my concern isn't for to say like, well, what was that voice? Like, was it, is it God? Is it soul? Is it something weird I ate the night before? Like, it's, I'm not, I, I'm not so interested. I think anyone, you can define this however you want, but we all have these moments. I think these, you call them a spiritual experience or a sacred encounter or a synchronicity or something. There's these moments that present an invitation to us. And the invitation I got that day was a sense that, yeah, I was not connected to my heart. Now, to, to come back to your question, I, I then started to, and, and I had help, I had folks in my life, mentors and guides and friends, like just 
helped me in the process of journaling, I just started to look and say like, okay, well, what does this actually mean that I don't have my heart? And that's when I could start to see what was going on in my life that like I hadn't, I'd been ignoring. So for example, I, yeah, I mean, this was an experience of burnout. I was, I was going too fast, working too hard. Um, if, if you notice, so that would be one thing, like how, what's your relationship like with your work? If I were to assess my my marriage at that point, um, I was withdrawn and distant, and I could I could look at that right. I I had three young children at the time, which is exhausting. And also, and, and while I loved being a dad, there was a way that I also wasn't showing up fully in that space. I was um, distant from some of my friends. So there's kind of all these relationships. There's there's kind of the work area. There's relationships. Um, and then just sort of a general like malaise, just like a everything felt kind of flat. And it's like I was going going through the motions, right? So that's what it what it looked like for me. Um, and I think, but it, it can look different for everyone, right? Yeah, and it, I think that's important to know that yes, it can look different for everybody. And that sounds like sometimes you're so in it, the signs are there, but you don't necessarily know they're there until you have some sort of bigger wake up call like you had with that voice talking to you. And then it kind of becomes hindsight of like, oh, fuck, I've been sleepwalking mm. through these areas of my life or like I've been so disconnected. And, and it sounds like then you start to connect some dots to realize, oh, I have I have been out of alignment. Yes, exactly. And, and that's where sort of there were these dynamics where I can talk about relationships and work, but I think it's also helpful for, for people to say, okay, maybe I won't have that. What if I don't have this like mystical experience or some wake up call like that? Well, what else can I pay attention to? I think we're constantly be being given these invitations to do that self inquiry. Okay. So uh, for example, if you notice that like you're, you're carrying a lot of like significant discontent in some area of your life, like that's, and that's, it's constantly there, right? Or it's been simmering for a while. That's something to pay attention to. That doesn't necessarily mean it explains like all that you're feeling and experiencing and what you need to leave behind and what and move towards. But it's, it's a, it's an, and uh, it gives you that sort of sense of like, why don't you lean, lean into this a little bit? What is that discontentment actually about? Um, another thing might be like transitions in life, whether you're, it's a relationship transition. So divorce or breakup or, um, or you've become a parent, or you're moving, or you graduated, or a new job, like all these moments of transition, uh, we might be like, I'm thrilled, I got a new job, or I'm moving somewhere. But I actually think that really, like the universe wants to get our attention. And like this, that liminal space of moving from one thing to the next, like, it's a really cool opportunity to say, oh, okay, um, what other ways am I being invited to change right now? Not just on the surface area of my life, like not just my job or the relationship or where I live, but what else internally is like the thing behind the thing that maybe I need to start tuning into. Um, similarly, and you know, you know this from your own story and things you've been through, the other type, it's like another type of transition. And that would be like the kind of unexpected or not desired transition, which would be a tragedy of some sort, a loss of a loved one, um, illness, uh, you know, an injury, an accident, all those sorts of tragic things are also um, really powerful moments to like, you know, see as a wake up call and a, and a chance to change. And that's why, by the way, 
when you look at people who have become more whole or gotten their hearts back, like it's often quite common. A lot of them have been through some pretty heavy shit. There's a reason why, because they've seen that um, maybe not immediately, but have taken that as an opportunity to grow and change. Mm. Yeah. And there's such a balance. I just want to highlight because this desire for us as humans to grow, change, have a self-actualization, connect to our higher, more spiritual self, and also this ability of us being whole and complete at the same time, right? And like, how do we hold that juxtaposition where we can stay curious with ourselves and paying attention of how can I change? How can I grow? But not turn ourselves into projects or Mm -hmm. turn ourselves into these deeper discussions of I'm not doing enough, right? Or shame that can build or, you know, the rubbing up. So any tips on how to practice paying attention, but from more of this like caring space? I love, I love that question. It's got got me thinking here. Like I said, the like in my own experience, it was this long drawn out season of life. And in the book, for example, I I talk about it's got these 10 steps, right? I kind of I, I like the idea of working with steps. Well, why is that? Um, in part, because Joseph Campbell and his work on the hero's journey, he's got like 17 steps, right? Um, and they're really complicated. I'm like, why not just, I want to distill this down and have it align with what I went through. I won't share what all the steps are. But like, I like this idea of us saying, okay, here's some things I can think through, right? Like a step. So that's easy to think and relate to. And I totally agree with you. The, the point isn't to say, Um, Like I didn't come at it like I got these 10 steps to work through. It was like when I looked back, you know, Um, because I think the more that you try to like turn, if you turn this into a project, I think you end up, um, your ego is going to have a field day with that. I think your your ego is going to do everything it can to like still hold on to its power in some way. And instead... Yeah, how do you sort of softly, gently immerse yourself in this experience, even though it's going to be grueling and it's going to be hard? Um, so in terms of practically what that what that might look like, I think just seeing it as it's going to be spacious. Like, don't set a timeline to it. Like, well, in three months, I've got to have everything figured out. We do that with plenty of stuff in our life. So being sort of flexible and adaptable and realize, like, this stuff takes time, I think, is one critical posture to embrace. And another thing would be to really prioritize practices, you know, um, certain rituals, practices, mindfulness practices, contemplative practices, spiritual disciplines, however you want to talk about some of that stuff, really prioritize it. Um, but but don't just like get into it because like you you think you're guaranteed some outcome. In fact, you know, I'd love to talk with you more about this, but I think there's so much kind of mindfulness, wellness stuff out there that just is playing on people's insecurities. And really, it's even as it's giving you something that might be a helpful intervention, it's constantly telling you, you are not enough, you're not doing enough. Um, Or, you know, kind of in another space, there's all this obsession with all this like, biohacking stuff as if I can like create myself into this like perfect cyborg or something. Why do I name some of that stuff is because it's like, it's trying to really almost like master and dominate like certain practices and techniques instead of entering into them uh, in a more like a soft, gentle way that we, there's almost like a submissive, like we're submitting ourselves to something to undergo something rather than to conquer and manipulate so that we can achieve certain ends. 
So that's a lot there. I'll pause there. I don't know if that all that made sense, but, um, you know, because it is a mysterious dynamic we're talking about here. No, I totally resonate with what you're sharing. And, and there's so many things. So just like break that down. One, I think just, again, letting go of this timeline, because we don't fucking know how long going through these process of breakdown to rebuild happen. And what also there's layers that happen, right? There's unfolding that happens. Like, Again, this year, mm. I've shared a little bit with podcast listeners over this last year, but this year, this past 2023 was a big year of rupture mm. and rebuilding. Well, no, I'll just say rupture. And I'm hoping 24 <laughs> is this more year of rebuilding. <laughs> and and so I can resonate with this idea of losing. Like, again, I felt like I was abandoning myself. I, In my language, I've, I've kind of labeled it as like, I felt like I've abandoned my soul and abandoned mm. actually my inner truth. And so I can really resonate with a lot of the journey that you share, doing the work, facing myself, listening, paying attention has been not to turn myself into a project, but because like, I feel like there's no choice. Mm. For me, it was like, I can just feel myself crumble here with this big rupture or Again, I can pay attention. I can say, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? What can I do to change? How can I take back charge of my life? And not from a place of control, but from this place of let me reorient because things are just feeling way out of whack. And then this idea of all of these like biohacking wellness mishigas that's out in our marketing world. Yeah. It is all great, right? Like Sawning, I will say, has changed my, it is like my happy fucking medicine. <laughs> um, and it doesn't solve my problems. Like my problems yeah. are still there. Doing cold water plunges and breathing, all great to help train your nervous system regulation, but also your stuff is still going to be there. So they're all vehicles yes. to be supportive rituals to ground us into, I think, like priming us maybe is a good word mm -hmm. to like be open and more receptive to change, mm -hmm. to maybe change our state so we can look at things differently because otherwise if there's like not some bigger sensation or stillness in a meditation practice or moving our bodies, like then, and I say stillness from a place of being able to deeply listen, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, then where else do we get the downloads then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I like that word priming. How, you know, what are the practices I can do that will create the conditions so that I can, you know, my nervous system isn't all out of whack <laughs> so that I can actually like listen, I can be present, I can expand my awareness to notice things. Um, so that's one whole, there's a whole set of practices there. And then there's other, another set of practices that they feel much more conversational in nature. And Again, whether you're like saying that's the conversation with the divine or just conversation with my inner self, doesn't really matter how you frame that, but it really is that that work of of like, you know, picking up picking up some, like turning over the stones, seeing what's underneath. Like what is underneath this this recurring thing that I keep experiencing, this dynamic I keep running into, or this way I keep this pattern I keep showing up in my relationships. And both kind of through our own practices of things like journaling or perhaps working with our dreams or um, getting out in in the, in nature in the wild and like having a dialogue with nature or it's with someone like a therapist or a coach of 
of cer certain sorts of coaches or a spiritual director, different people who are really there to uh, create space for you to to tune into yourself. Like there is a sense that, yeah, we there's there's actually work that we have to do. We have to investigate the stories of our lives. And I think to, to kind of bring it back to one of your initial questions, there's a sense that there is a sense like, well, yeah, so oh, okay. you could call it a project. Sure, I'm a project. But the way I would say that is not, you know, we're not talking about the type of project that's about like, I get, I get an A on this at the end, right? Um, in fact, just entering into this and as messy as it might be, as long and drawn out as it might be, that in and of itself is an expression of you reclaiming your heart. It is a an expression of becoming more whole. So that's where there's also very cliche, but like the journey is the destination as well. So, um, you know, there definitely were times in my own experience where I kept wanting to look ahead. And it was always like the more I tried to fixate on some external situation in my life, usually it was like my job, what am I doing for work? The more I was focused on that, the more I got pulled out of like myself in the present. Um, so, and yet the more I kind of tuned in into the moments, like I realized, okay, you know what, all of this is going to change around me. The things that I want to see change and I'm like being really urgent about the, in terms of externally in my life, it's all going to sort itself out. So I need to prioritize more than anything is just staying present to myself. And when I do that, and this is where it's so helpful to, you know, we have, you have friends, family, perhaps a spouse, you have kids, like these things are actually really helpful containers for us to like do this work rather than just running away from them and saying, I need to go travel around the world to experience change of some sort. It's well, well, how is that? Cause they keep us grounded in the day to day that we can't, we can't escape or withdraw from at the end of the day, we still like need to show up. Um, and so, yeah, we can be on this like deep soulful journey. And yet like here I am now and like with people around me. So I'm not like becoming all self-absorbed. So yeah, this is like really, this is really juicy. I love this space. It's very interesting. Yeah, I'm curious as a father of three, how do you make space for your reflective, introspective, spiritual practices, especially as a male? There's a stigma of like men aren't introspective yes. and men don't have emotions yes. and men, right? And so I'm curious, like how, yeah, how do you prioritize that? Yeah. You know, I, I can, I'm going to answer by going back to the early phase because my kids are older now. And I will say when your kids are a bit older, so teenagers, there's different demands. It's a lot more like emotional parenting than it is like just the physical nurturing that's necessary when they're little. There's a lot of dynamics, let me tell you. But um, it's it's easier. They're more independent now. So if I go back to when this all, like when it, I kind of discovered my burnout, you know, I, I think all three of my kids were, um, you know, they're like under the age of seven and they're like within three and a half years. Like they're really like this little cluster. Um, I, you know, I realized, oh, wow, it's been a long time since I had practiced solitude, right? This and solitude, not just like getting time to myself, but actually solitude being intentional aloneness, um, which can be in a variety of settings. You can be intentionally alone in a yoga class, like you can, if you approach it that way, it can be during meditation, it could be going out for a walk, all sorts of things. Okay. Um, but I would say, step one, as it was for me is, you know, in terms of 
finding solitude and making space for myself. It wasn't about adding more things. It was about subtracting. And so I think we all can take an inventory of our life and say, well, do I actually have, do I, where else can I find time? You know, I, I teach people, I, I teach people a particular meditation style and it's, I encourage people twice a day for 20 minutes, but once is great too. And often people are like, I don't have time. So then we start talking about it. It's like, well, okay, um, I did scroll through Instagram for an hour. By the way, I bring this up and I say, well, feel guilty for scrolling through Instagram. But to say, like, there is an hour you could choose to do something different with that time. Or, um, or you know, I'll, because you asked as, as a man, for example, like a lot of guys do have, got, say, you go golf with your buddies or you let, you're, like, involved, like, fantasy sports. Like, you've got fantasy football and you're, you set an hour or two, you're like studying what's going on in NFL and like you're setting your team up. Like, so that's a lot of time. I think you just start to say, what are those things? Or maybe I'm actually, I'm constantly researching like the latest gadget or the newest iPhone or the whatever. Like you're just kind of obsessive about tech trends or finance or anything you might nerd out on. Guess what? That's all great. Have hobbies. I'm not saying don't. But sometimes these hobbies can be things, they, they become really bloated and they can start interfering with that inner work, and they become things that maybe we escape to instead of creating that space for ourselves to be alone, right? To be be still. So um, I, I just encourage people in ter- to really think of like, what might I subtract first? And I, again, saying that this without like, it's not like a whole process of judgment and saying, here's what I've done with my 24 hours in a day. Wow, I'm really wasting like eight hours. No, that's not the point. But if you start to sense that maybe something has gotten a little stale or expired in terms of something you're engaged in, maybe it's even hanging out with friends. Maybe like your social life is actually too packed and you need to pull back a little bit and start creating some boundaries and saying no to some things. Um, So I'm convinced that we all have the space. Um, Sometimes it might even mean I watch less less Netflix or I get up 20 minutes earlier. Uh, So I think there's lots of possibilities. I appreciate you sharing kind of how to look at our time with curiosity and really like be honest with ourselves around our priorities, what we say matters to ourselves and how we can fit it in, even with three kids and a Mm -hmm. full plate. You mentioned in the book a lot about like paying attention and noticing different themes and you know the jaguar for instance becomes this sounds like spirit animal that you tune into a lot and by the way i love the grace space Mm. and pace phrase like to me i was like oh my god that sounds just Mm. so like relaxed my nervous system Mm. like it totally um Mm -hmm. is a really beautiful (laughs) ism that i know i'm gonna carry from this book And I'm curious, like, how do you discern or practice the balance of like paying attention, but not getting swept away by the messages? And this is maybe for more of my Lulu-y listeners who yes. are paying attention, yeah. but sometimes maybe you're like, oh, this is another sign from the universe. And this is another <laughs> sign. And now the universe is, you know, and, and how we can kind of sometimes just like, it's like how much meaning making is our mind just doing and how much is our actual like downloads coming down and obviously who who fucking knows but like i'm just so yeah what's your process in discerning oh i mean i'm i'm laughing because yeah you know i there's some like kind of outlandish stuff in this book in one side it's funny i'm like i'm like it's not too woo woo and i'm like no to some people this is like this guy is 
uh, it's like experiencing like a psych psychotic breakdown like in the sense that I, I am seeing in you know I and I this happened like I I was seeing all these things and making meaning all of them out of all this stuff right that's I kept felt like I was being bombarded with these messages but it's also very subtle like I had to pay attention so I will preface this by saying look I refer to the the work of um, Dr. Lisa Miller in the book like she's got a book called The Awakened Brain and so even if this all does this kind of stuff of like hearing getting signs from the universe sounds really woo woo her groundbreaking research around spirituality like demonstrates that our brains are wired we're wired for you could like spiritual receptivity there's certain parts of our brain that just like light up um and you know sort of make connections and see experience oneness and see how everything's tied together so regardless of what like you might believe or not it's really fantastic like fascinating from a scientific level that our brains are wired for this now often um and this is some of the language she used we, we function out of our achievement brain she said that that's our like top-down awareness it's actually really narrow and focused and that's really helpful we that's like a core aspect of being human it's how we get shit done um but what what she says is we it's like really important to cultivate um this awakened brain which is an expanded sort of bottom-up perception where you're noticing things that if you're too focused you're not going to see and when you sort of relax your your gaze in a sense it's like you start to pick up on these other signals and make connections so um you know maybe part of your question is saying how do we make sure we're not too much awakened brain i think so the question really it's like really balance feels really important it's it's that we have this achievement brain that's really necessary helps us like function on a day-to-day -day level and make important decisions um interface with the world in which we live and we have this other this broader aspect that is the awakened brain so um it feels like balance is really critical and also you know don't so so maybe i'll say this it can sometimes i got this sign well it's like and then maybe people kind of get lost in it because they throw themselves at it or like too soon or whatever it's really important to kind of test or evaluate and like be discerning so yeah, maybe you feel like the universe is trying to get your attention or you witness something, the this, this synchronicity happened and it's teaching you about some aspect of yourself. Um, if it's asking you to like make some huge life change, unless you have experience doing that based on like the signs you're getting, I would say just test it out a little bit. You don't need to like dive all the way in, like do a subtle thing to say like, is this the right direction? And pretty soon you'll get, you'll get data instantly. Like you make it movement towards it something either in your own intuition or externally will correct it and say actually that's not that's actually not what you need to do right now um so and on the other hand i'm an advocate as i say in the book like i think it's really important i think most of us actually just ignore these things i think the majority of people we ignore these moments we don't want to talk about them we think we sound weird it's like but and so i just say it's like even if it seems really weird like you know grace space pace this was these aren't my words these came a series of things led me to discover a 1950s or 60s Jaguar automobile slogan, which was grace, space, pace. We're talking like a madman era advertisement. And those three words, like I might feel chills now saying them because they were the exact thing I needed to hear. And guess what? Just say, well, why not pay attention? Like, is it going to hurt me to pay attention to this idea of grace, space, pace and lean into all three of those things? Well, so far it hasn't like 
it, it hasn't let me down. So I'm going to keep going with it. And I think that's an, another thing I'd encourage people to do is just like be curious and lean into it. Yeah, I love that advice. And for me, I know what what's helpful to listen to my body. Oh, does my body sink into it and feel, ah, yeah, that's what you've been looking for. Or is my body confused and trying to make meaning of it? And maybe I'm gripping then too much to the sign thinking like it's something big, but it's really not. And mm -hmm. just even letting the body in to help guide versus the meaning making of the mind for me yes. can be really helpful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How, how does it, how does it feel? You know, the other thing that, that it makes me think of is like, for me, I was, so I had a long background in one sense of I was an ordained minister. And so I, I naturally was, I just had this curiosity for this kind of unnameable, like, what is all this? I just like openness to it. And I could have, I have tons of other stories from a mystical man. Yeah. Right? Mr. Mystical, right? Hey, Mr. Yeah. Mystical. <laughs> yeah. And so like that, um, so I, I kind of, that's my, my context for it. Um, and yet, like, you don't have to have all that for, for it to be true that you might be invited into something. And, and I guess, yeah, what I wanted to add is my, my issues that I was working through, especially were around these like kind of ways I was really trying to control things. Okay. So it was really helpful to, there's almost a way of practicing surrender. Um, now other people, like I had my particular issues, but, but, but other people might be contending with other things. It actually could be, you're just constantly avoidant or you're an escapist or like you're, you're just, you're constantly, when things get serious, you run away or, um, when things get hard, like you want a, a, a diversion of some sort. And I think it's important that you don't use like these messages that are coming to you. Like if, if they're, if they're calling you into something that like, if they're calling you into something that um, is challenging you to grow and to become more whole, it's worth paying attention to. If it's asking you supposedly to like, if it's reinforcing in some somehow like maybe an unhelpful pattern that you already have like perhaps you shouldn't you know you shouldn't pay as much attention to it so um because you don't want it to become something where you're like ah the universe is just telling me oh you know it's just reinforcing the kind of unhealthy patterns that i already have of course you're not going to see it that way when it happens and that's where like having community and other you know soulful friendships like places where you can talk about that with others can be really helpful. So you're not just kind of floating off on your own trying to sift through all this stuff. Mm. Yeah. And that brings me to the last question I wanted to talk to you about today around letting go, because you talk about letting go being really important process in this journey in the way home. And I'm curious to learn more about like your process of letting go. One I'll just share this of I heard this on the podcast where and I'm blanking on on his name, one of the guys who created the minimalist project was talking about teaching his daughter how to use the monkey bars. And he was saying how, you know, in order for her to reach for the next bar, she has to let go, right? There's that sense of trust and full kind of surrender in that moment to then get land and that next place of safety. I thought that was such a beautiful, powerful example of mm. how we can practice in a felt sense, letting go. 
And because it can be so scary to a lot of us, especially in a world that is telling us from so many angles of consumerism and, you know, conditioning that like we need more and more and more. So yeah, like, I'm just curious to hear your words of wisdom around how we can all just even practice little ways of letting go. So for some context, the, the three sections that I divide my book into, it's the first one is leaving the familiar. The second is falling into the unknown. And the third is rising to wholeness. And really the, the last aspect of leaving the familiar is it's letting go. Um, I actually talk about it in the book. It's similar to the monkey bar thing, but I say it's like you're, it's like flying trapeze and you're holding on this bar and you have to let go, but actually, and this is why I bring up those three patterns because you're falling into the unknown, but actually like, like there's no bar there necessarily. There's no person there to grab your hands. And actually there's not even a net underneath to catch you. Like this is like when you let go, um, and meaning let go of the, the version of yourself that you've outgrown, you don't know where you're going to land. Okay. Um, so it is terrifying and it's hard and there's a lot of unknown and yet like we don't necessarily get there overnight. So I really appreciate your, your question and the way that you're basically saying, look, there, there are, cause it is true. We can practice letting go in smaller ways before the bigger ways. Okay. So, um, you can let go, for example, if you're trying to create space for more solitude in your life, you can you can let go of some of the ways you're showing up. So for me, it's like I had major FOMO historically. I'm much more introverted now. It's like I didn't want to miss anything, like super extroverted. And during that season of life, I realized like I kind of have to let go of like this sense that I need to be everywhere. I need to be doing everything and be around all the people all the time. Or I needed to um, like during that season, I started practicing yoga and I had like no background and it was quite a sight to behold. But the best thing about it for me was I, I would go practice in the middle of the day and I was, it was it. Oh, great. You're making, it's like, okay, I would take space for myself. But behind that was a letting go, which was, I was letting go of that hour, but guess what? You know, you know, you got to get there. You know, I'm going to shower afterwards. And it's like, it's end up being say two hours. It's like, but right in the middle of my day, instead of having a lunch meeting or being really efficient, and, you know, cranking out a bunch of emails, I was letting go of that type of efficiency and productivity to make space for myself. So um, I just bring that up to give some examples of like smaller ways in which we can let go that set us up for the big letting go. Now, what is the big letting go? I mean, we're letting go again and again. So there's going to be many things. But I think I really, I want to encourage people not just to see it as like, oh, I'm letting go of a relationship or I'm letting go of a job. Um, I'm more curious in like, what's the thing behind the thing? What's the thing beneath the thing that we need to let go of? So for me, it was, um, you know, holding up, like I needed to let go of these unhealthy patterns of relating and my obsession with, um, performing and producing and those kinds of things. And so I had to say, how is that all showing up in my life? Oh, well, one way was, um, I was always kind of like overly concerned with what people saw my work to be in the world. So it turned out I had to let go of like a really fun side project I had, which was a, a podcast that I was like, I want to create this and build it into this other thing. I had to let go of the thing I liked, which was that because it was actually distracting me from the inner work I needed to do. And I had to stay in a job I didn't really like. So even though on the surface, I would have looked like I'm ready to let go of the job. Well, guess what? That would have been really easy to do because 
it's something I wanted to let go of. So there's always kind of a twist when it comes to letting go that it might not be the easy, obvious thing that we're ready to get rid of, but it's there's something underneath it that we need to pay attention to. Mm, yeah, I love that ability to zoom out and pay attention to the layers and the layers that are are being called for us to just look at letting go opportunities. And even for me, because I'm a big controller and my mm. controller urges come from survival, which make complete sense. And I recognize how they don't serve me. And so even just little ways that I practice with like my husband of, mm. hey, what do you want for dinner tonight? And then he'll say something and I'll be like, no, nah, we're going to do that. You know, and like, and then like, oh, oops, I, you know, I need to let go of my need to control what we always eat or, or yes. do, or those little ways that it's just like, oh yeah, like yeah. where can I soften? And, yes. and that for me, the word softening has been con connected to my practice of, of letting go. Like, where can I release this tight grip? Um, yeah. And I know a lot of us want to hold on to sometimes our practices our wellness practices because we get into this then unhealthy place where they can be a form of control and i know i used to be there with like exercise back in the day and mm -hmm. now you know it's even letting go of that and allowing it to be more of a like intuitive movement based and and knowing and trusting that's enough. And so, yeah, it's so powerful for us to explore our mm -hmm. patterns. Yeah, and I, I wanna add one more thing. Like, I love you talking about like softening and there's also a sense that I think it's really helpful for us when there's something we need to let go of or we're becoming increasingly aware of that we need to in terms of an operating pattern. Um, it's really important to be kind to it. So, um, cause it, I think, you know, there's this last little phrase in the book in midlife. So I think this book really is applying to anyone. Midlife, I think, is interesting in that it's, I like to view it. I don't see it so much as an age range, at least as I'm talking in the book. Um, it's just, it's like about any time we're invited to move from one version of ourself into another, okay? Like this midlife, it's a, I was one thing, I'm becoming something else. Um, but I, I think it's really important when you get to say even a certain age, sometimes you're like, oh, I should, I should have worked through this by now. Like I should, I should have, there's like almost a type of shame that can come up. And so then we get extra kind of hostile or aggressive with like trying to push away or like refuse this, this aspect of ourself that we know we're trying to, to heal from, you know, but it's really, it's really important to like be tender with it and say like, it's, it's helped you. It's there's, there's reasons like that, that, achievement orientation like that really helped me um in certain ways and if we you know if we had examine it see how oh, it keeps you safe or helps you on the playground or helps you fit in in your family or whatever it might be and so um you're working through it and you get to it when when you get to it and um so be kind to it don't the more forceful you become with it like the more it's going to keep trying to like it's going to keep showing up in unhelpful ways so be kind to yourself in the process. Yes, for sure. Because otherwise, oh my God, it can just build and create a very unhealthy mm. and unhelpful story that, you know, doesn't help us grow and move in, in a, 
in a direction that's forwarding for anybody. Yes. <laughs> um, ben, thank you so much for being here and sharing your words in your book and your wisdom. Where can people learn more about you and stay connected? So um, I'll direct people to thewayhomebook.com um, and that will get you also to my website. And um, But it'll help you order the book from wherever you want to. And um, yeah, Wade, it's been such a gift to be with you. Thanks for your curiosity and questions. And it's got me thinking about all sorts of other things. So a lot of fun. Love it. Well, thanks, Ben. And, and everybody who's listening, order your copy now. And it is officially out to the world February 20th. So almost birthday book day. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I'm excited for everyone to read it. And um, yeah, I, I just hope that it it, it gives people courage to go on this journey and also comforts is comforting because there's a sense that even when you go on this journey towards wholeness, no one else can do it for you. You have to do it. And yet, like you're not the first one. So there, I think there's something profoundly comforting about that as well. Yes, for sure. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. If you found this episode helpful, insightful, maybe it brought you closer to your heart or made you think about, huh, what are, what are the lessons that I'm learning about myself in life or the universe? What's the universe trying to teach me here? I welcome you to share with us your thoughts. Join us on Instagram at OneWave and at aka Ben Cat to continue the conversation. Also, I would love for you to take a moment to write a review, give this episode and this podcast five stars, whatever feels authentic to you, and maybe even share it with somebody that you love. Thank you as always for being here and letting me into your ears, hearts, and mind. And until next time, stay centered.